Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Let's uh, go to First uh, Corinthians chapter three. We're going to witness a miracle. I'm going to preach within thirty minutes, about thirty-three minutes. So I'm aware of the time. We make no apologies about worshiping long. Come on, somebody. How many knows we got? If we're not the head, we're not the head. We're not the head. It flows down. So uh, I just want to share, really just jumping back in where I was Wednesday night. We, uh, several of you were not here Wednesday night. We have several out this morning. We got some in Washington, D.C. on a mission trip. Um, some's at the beach. <laughs> but we're glad you're here, amen? And we're glad the Holy Ghost is here. Um, so uh, I want to talk about uh, just on the subject of the wise builder. This morning out of uh, 1 Corinthians 3, I've been hanging out on this topic. I uh, just want to go back in here. And uh, and so, uh, just uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5. You were not here on Wednesday. I shared three dreams. I'm probably going to share the last one again. Uh, I, I received uh, a phone call on on Thursday, I think it was. And someone shared some insight into that dream that I had not saw. And I want to share that with you. And then I want to just talk about building, okay? It says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Look at this. He's not talking, to, he, he's, he's saying, listen, the messenger is not the one to focus on. Come on, somebody. Come on now. He said, we're not nothing. But look at this. But the one, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can one lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, and hay, and straw, each one's work will, be, will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work as what sort it is. So, Father, we just thank you for that. Father, we just thank you for ears to hear and eyes to see what you're building, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to share this dream. I've been here for, I've been in this city for uh, a little over four years now. I came in November of 2013. And, and we shared this on Wednesday night. And I just want to share this dream to go back with you. And I want to talk and, and then just share out of my heart. And we'll, we'll, we'll be out of here in plenty of time, okay? So, in, um, this would have been around January or February that 
of 2014 that I had this dream. And in this dream, this dream started out underneath a carport. It, it took place underneath a carport. There was a gentleman that was on the steps um, and he was carrying on a conversation with me. Just for the time's sake, I'm going to cut some of it out and then I'll just focus on the high points, okay? Uh, um, so there was a gentleman sitting on the steps and I, I noticed the the I noticed where the region where the gentleman was from or or what um, if you will, what ethnicity he was, and um, and so anyhow, we're carrying on a conversation, and then uh, the the door that entered into the house, the door, the door opened, and there was a gentleman that came out, which looked identical to what the man sitting on the floor looked, uh, on the step looked, and I was I was observing this, and as he cracked the door open, he shot this man right in the top of his head, and the bullet came out of the throat area and I seen the, the massive wound that the gun shot created and the man collapsed and fell underneath the carport. And as the man collapsed and fell underneath the carport, um, uh, I remember in the dream, my next point, I was standing there and I had no shoes on but socks and I could feel the blood, the, the heat from the blood, the warmth of the blood seeping up, touching the bottom of my feet and I, I kept crying out in the dream. I, I said, oh my God, you killed this man. You murdered this man. And I said, I feel the blood. I feel the blood. I feel the blood. And so um, I, I would just say from that time on, even on, there's something about this ground that God is, there's something about this place. I don't know what it is, but there's something about this place. I do believe that there are regions that, that, that God just destined for something to happen there. Come on, somebody. And it doesn't have to be a big town. Come on, somebody. It doesn't have to be Atlanta. It doesn't have to be Orlando. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be LA. Come on, somebody. Remember Nazareth, they said, could anything good come from Nazareth? The greatest thing that ever hit the planet came from Nazareth. Come on, somebody. And so, so in this dream, I could feel the blood. Um, the, the, the shooter then handed me the, the gun. And it was almost like I had a sense that I had caused this to happen or something like that. Anyhow, he handed me the gun. And I, I had this thought that I need to take out this man. I need to take this shooter out because if I don't, I mean, he done killed this man. I'm the next one in line. So anyhow, I, but I decided I would lay the gun down. I would lay the gun down and I would, I, and then I took off. And as I overlooked my shoulder, the, the gunman changed uh, to a like an AR style uh, rifle with put a long clip into the rifle and I took off and in this dream I took off I came to this first place and it just didn't seem Sophia. So, but anyhow, while I took off running, uh, I, I, I dialed 911 and the lady asked me, she said, are you the new pastor at Cornerstone Christian Church? I said, yes, ma'am. And I kept telling her, I'm not familiar with this. I'm not familiar with this area. I'm not familiar with this region. I'm not familiar with this is what I kept telling her. And I told her that I witnessed a, a man just was killed. I was trying to describe the location where it was at. And so then the dream shifted. I come upon this gas station, I would say in our area, like the flash food, a large gas station and in the gas station um, 
I, I noticed there was a black car, sedan, like a, like a Lincoln Town car, if you will, something that was to transport someone. And so anyhow, there was a driver, the, 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 there was a large uh, African-American man at the front, almost like Eddie James, if you will. He was just a large guy. And so anyhow, and there were two large white men at the rear of the car. I told them what I'd seen. They said, get in the car. As I got in the car, we started out down this four-lane highway with a divided grass median, and we were, we were cruising, and then they got the car off onto a dirt road. And I remember as a vehicle taking off down the dirt road that I had this sense that my, this is not going to be good for me, that this is how it's going to end. My life is going to be over in this moment. And so as, as we, we're driving down the dirt road, I hear off, I mean, it was like a faint cry you could hear in, in, in that radio was coming forth the radio. It was Jake Hamilton singing, worship and warriors arise. Uh, if you've listened to that song on his, uh, on his album or whatever, it has the, 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 the vision that Pete Krieg wrote at the 24-7 House of Prayer. If you're familiar with that, go read, go, it's, it's awesome or whatever if you want to check it out but anyhow so I could hear in the radio saying worship and warriors arise worship and warriors arise and I looked at the gentleman driving the car and I said, you men cannot be evil. You men cannot be evil listening to that kind of music. And he turned around and he said, no, man. He said, we're here for you. And then the dream shifts and changes. And I come upon this, 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 this massive mansion. But, it, it, but it, it, was, it was not built like you would see a mansion. It was built, it was almost built like in a, in a, in a it was built on the side of a massive cliff, a massive rock. This house was built. And I, I remember in the dream said, how do you even get to that house? How do you even travel to get there? And the first thing that was there, the first thing that was there, it was almost like the house was there, but you didn't notice the house, even though it was massive. The first thing that was there, was, which was elevated above everything else, was this large infinity pool. And around this pool was all type of, of foreign luxury vehicles. And there was one American-made vehicle, which was a Hummer, and it had wide off-road tires. That was the dream. Now, like you, I wish God would just speak good old English. Come on, somebody. If he could just speak Southern sometimes, that would help me out tremendously. But how many knows it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the honor of kings to get in there and search it out. God doesn't speak a lot. I'm just saying to me, God doesn't talk to me in paragraphs. He says one word. How many knows that Jesus said my words are spirit and they are life. His words are always pregnant with revelation. Come on somebody. And when God speaks to you regardless of what situation you are facing, he is releasing a spirit. Come on somebody. He is releasing spirit and life. He's releasing you a bridge to get to what you need. That's why prophecy, it doesn't matter how broke you are. If the prophet declares money's in your lane, what God has given you is a bridge to get to where you're going. Come on now, you with me? And so in this dream, I felt like God was setting forth my destiny and what I was to do in this region. Now let me just say this, anything, anytime we try to put a spirit that we are battling, if we try to put a face on it, we're wrong. 
We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Come on, somebody. But we wrestle against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. We're not wrestling flesh and blood. The church needs a revelation of that this morning. We got to quit fighting one another. Come on, somebody, and get, the, and get other believers out of our crosshairs and get them back where they belong. Come on, this is why we can't have unity that we're trying to get for in the church is because we've used our gifts. Come on, somebody. We call it discernment. Come on, it's actually suspicion what we use of other believers. So, so we, can't, we can't put a face on what we're fighting. Although a lot of times I've been tempted to put faces on what I was fighting. You can't do that. We, 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 we fight in an unseen realm. We use bullets that can't be seen. Come on, somebody. What is your bullet? He gave us one this morning, praise. The Bible says in Psalms 8 that God has ordained praise and strength out of the mouth of babes and sucklings that he might have steal the enemy. When you get up and you begin to praise God, friend, something shifts in the atmosphere. Depression begins to part. Come on, somebody. The Bible says in Psalms 22, 3 that God is enthroned in the praises of his people. Do what he is enthroned. The king inhabits the praises of his people his realm, his domain of dominion and power exists in the praises of his people so our weapons are powerful for the pulling down of strongholds and God was setting forth something that I was to do in this region and the call of God on our lives this morning as we were singing I kept hearing the word and I know it's Sean Boltz's ministry but expression 58 expression 58 and I was reminded of Isaiah 58. I can tell you the call of God on our lives is that Isaiah 58, we are the repairers of the breach, friend. Come on, somebody. We're to raise up the foundations of many generations. Come on now. God's speaking that this morning in this house. I leaned over and told Steve this. I gave him a word that at the end of Job, the Bible says that after Job restored everything, after God restored everything back into Job, it said Job lived 140 years and there was four generations of his family that he saw. And I told Steve, I said, because you've been faithful to stand with the man of God, God's gonna give you sons. That's why Jesse has sons. That's why these little boys running in his family. Why? Because God's honoring him to be able to stand on the stage with three three and four and five generations. This is what God wants to raise up in the earth. He wants to raise up fathers that can raise up sons, that can become fathers, that can become sons. Come on, somebody. That can become fathers, that can become sons, that we have a multi, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob again on the earth that can shake things for the kingdom of God. Y'all wake, I'm trying to preach in here. Let me know when I start preaching, all right? See, let me know. I got 20 minutes. We got to do it quick. You ate up all my time this morning. I'm cutting up. Y'all right. All right. So this is it. God says this. Now listen to me. Now I believe that that shooter, because I'm, I'm just going on what I know. I know, I, I know God. I'm just telling you this. I know the presence of the Lord. And this individual called me. And he shed some light on this that I have not seen. Notice this is four years ago. This is four years ago. The person that was shot and the shooter represents leadership. Now let me just say this. That whole deal about a strong man, you can't enter a strong man's house unless you first bind a strong man. That ain't got nothing to do about binding the devil in somebody's life and try to spoil the goods. Let me tell you what that's speaking of. It's speaking of leadership. And what it says is you will not spoil his fruit until you dethrone that leader. Come on now. 
Oh, Lord, I'm on, let, me, let me just get. Leadership. Leadership shot leadership. We, we find this hard to believe. This happens every day, in the, every day in the church. Come on, somebody. We have leaders that kill young leaders. Come on, somebody. Why? Because the most insecure place in America, friend, is found behind the pulpit. The reason why the orphan spirit is running rapidly in the body of Christ is because we have a lack of true fathers that can release real identity into the sons. But I'm telling you, there is a shift happening right now in the church. Come on, somebody. Real fathers are emerging that can give identity to the sons that will eradicate this orphan spirit. We find this in Malachi 4. He said what? In the, he said that in the last days, right? God said, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children back to the fathers. The spirit of Elijah will be in the earth. Come on, y'all with me? The spirit of Elijah is going to be in the earth turning what? The hearts of the fathers back back into the children and the children back into the fathers. Lest I smite the earth with a curse. What did Elisha say to Elijah? My father, my father. So this spirit of Elijah, this prophetic mantle that's coming on the end time church, one of the main, one of its main reasons and functions is to turn the hearts of the fathers to children and children back to the fathers. Are you with me? So in this deal, the shooter then hands me the gun. This is how we pass the baton. I'm going back to the builder. When you build with faulty building codes and then you hand that down, what happens is we continue generation after generation building the wrong thing. And what we've done is we've built ministries. And what did Paul say? Paul said he wasn't building a ministry. He was building people. You are God's building. You are God's building. What are we building? We're building people, friend. Come on, somebody. We're not building edifices. We're not building structures. We're building people. How is the kingdom of God going to advance in this region? Not by building another building, but by building you and equipping you to do the work of the ministry. That's how the kingdom of God is going to advance in this region. When you wake up to the call of God, when you discover that you're here on earth to do far more than go to church and hear good music and read your Bible on Monday night. You're here to make a difference, to impact society. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the earth, and a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's who you are. The devil trembles when you wake up in the morning. Do you realize what's in your life, friend? You don't have part of God in you. You've got all of God in you. I get excited. If you've never been here, I get excited. Only way I can describe it is like this. Jensen Franklin says, teachers tell it, but preachers yell it. I'm excited about it. I came to tell you that the devil's losing, friend. He's been losing since the day that he was dethroned. Come on, somebody. I said he's losing. I said, I said massive revivals hitting this land. You got to get off of TV and get in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Get off of Fox News, CNN, and NBC and get in the Word of God. Come on, somebody, or a prayer room. There's some exciting things happening on the earth. What God was saying is, to me, son, there's a new style of building. There's a new way to build. I don't want you to build like this anymore. 
the proof of the way we've built or the way we have done it in the past, the proof is we do not have four generations that can stand on the stage. We don't have Abraham and Isaac. We still have only Abraham that can stand on the stage. And maybe sometimes some Isaacs, if the Isaacs agree with Abraham. So we know the call of God and the destiny of God is the baton to come down and get stronger every time it comes. All right. So this wise builder, Paul said, Paul said we're not building buildings, but we're building people. Ephesians 2.19 through 22 says that the foundation of God's house rests on the apostles and prophets. And Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the plumb line, friend, of how you build your life, how you build your marriage, how you handle your finances. I said Jesus is the plumb line. Come on now, Hebrews verse one says that in times past, God spoke to us through the prophets. But as in these latter days has spoken to us by his son. How does God speak? Jesus. That's the language of heaven. Jesus, when you got a problem and listen, or when you hear messages that are preached that contradict the life of Jesus, you have to question what you believe. Come on now. Come on now. Half of us that grew up in the Pentecostal church, we see an angry father about ready to tear us up. We would close out our services praying, we don't know if we're going to make it back here tonight. We got saved every youth camp. We got resaved every Sunday night. Why? Because we believed if you was out working and hit your finger with your hammer and you said a cuss word, you were hell bound. As a tree falls, that's the way it lies. Come on. But I want to ask you this. I, I just I, I took my boys fishing on Friday. And anytime I got them by myself, my heart just burns for those for my three sons. And listen, if me being an earthly dad and my heart burns for my sons like that, how much more is our heavenly father burning for us? Friend, let me tell you something. He wants you way more than you want him. I said he wants you way more than you want him. He's not looking for you to preach for him. He's not looking for you to sing for him. He's not looking anything for you to do for him. He just wants you. That's the whole deal. Why did God, we said this on Wednesday night, people said, well, God took them out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land. I beg to differ. The Bible says in the book of Exodus that God brought them out of Egypt that he may bring them unto himself. What he wanted was a free people that had a free will to love him. Come on, somebody. He could have defeated the devil anytime he wanted to. Come on, he could have done it any way he wanted to, but he said, I'll take a group of people that's got a free will. They can love me or not love me. I'm gonna take them and that's what I'm gonna defeat you with alright so Jesus we see this angry father so we got to get this straight the reason why we sing an angry father as father God is a lot of it has to do with us preaching the gospel come on now show the first pick up there just showing you this is just a day on the water with my boys now I'm just a father. All right, now throw the next one. I sit in Stanton this one day. I said, this is my whole world in one picture. 
the whole world. Now think about this. I'm an earthly dad. How much more is your heavenly father burning for you, friend? He's cheering you on every day. That voice you hear in your head about your faults and your failures, that didn't come from your heavenly father. That is the coming from the devil, the accuser of the brethren who's, who accuses you. Come on, somebody. Not in day, but Jesus stands up every time he tries to bring his case to work against you. And he points to the father and he said, look at what I did on the cross. It is sufficient. It is enough. Come on, somebody. It's time we realize we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and our Father so desires to have a relationship with us. Oh, he burns for you, friend. He burns for you. Now think about this. I'm traveling. I got 10 minutes left on this flight, okay? Roughly. Sometimes the engines do go a little slower, okay? So it may take a little while but I'm attempting to get us there. And Luke chapter 15, look at, the, look at Jesus as the plumb line as your father. Luke chapter 15 says that there is a shepherd that has 100 sheep. One of the sheep gets lost. It says the shepherd will leave the 99 going to search in the wilderness, looking in the woods until he can find that one sheep that got out of the fold. Now Jesus goes on to teach so much more. Jesus, the good shepherd, will leave the 99 to go after the one. And heaven rejoices over the one that repents. The one that repents over the 99 that need no repentance. Say, well, man, he's just, he's just going full it just it's all just grace. We don't have nothing. Notice what he said. 99 shouldn't need no repentance. Come on now. Come on now. Y'all with me? Can you, can you stay awake right here just for enough right here? Okay? Now he goes on to say, our father's also like a woman who had 10 precious coins. She lost one. That coin that is mentioned there in today's salary would be around $1,200. She lost it. How many of you just lost 12 $100 bills? You'd be cleaning the house if you could find it. Come on, fellas. I'm giving you a hint how to help her clean. <laughs> Hide that money in the washer and dryer. Come on, Catherine's fish, jump up and hit me. Listen. Listen, most people don't take notes. There was about five, six notepads went out right then. Went on, wrote that down. All right, listen. She's searching for the coin. She's searching for the coin. She finds the coin, but what I want you to notice is that the coin never lost its value even though it was lost. I said the coin didn't lose its value even though it was lost. We so desperately need a church in the south that has eyes to see like him.
that can look through all the dirt, that can look through all the confusion, come on somebody, that can look through all the baggage in someone's life and still see the worth. Come on somebody, let me tell you how much you're worth. You were created in the image of Almighty God and we should give honor to the lowest person. Why? Because they are created in the image of God and we are honoring our Father. Come on somebody, when we give honor to them. The, the coin never lost its value. I'm telling you, the greatest preachers you have ever heard, you've not heard them yet. They're down in Crack Alley. They're locked up in bars, but the gospel is fixing to go to the lowest parts of the earth, and God's fixing to pull these labors of Matthew 20 at the last round, and these are gonna be the greatest preachers, prophets, apostles we have ever heard. Let me tell you why. Why the rapid pace is gonna happen. Because they didn't grow up in the church and they ain't got all, all the religion to detox on. Religion will give you just enough to keep you from the real thing, friend. It's like taking a flu shot. It gives you just enough to keep you from contacting the real thing. And finally he goes into this parable. Notice the father's always searching. The father's always looking. Then he goes into the parable, what we were taught when I was growing up in church, the prodigal son. It's not the story of the prodigal son, it's the story of two sons. Both of them had issues. I said both of them had issues. Both of them had access to an amazing father, but they failed to realize what they've had. The younger son wanted his inheritance and demanded it early. He was the one looking for titles, fame, and fortune. How many ministries have we built where that was the goal in sight? Is the goal TBN? Come on, somebody. Is the goal God TV? Is the goal a billboard? What is the goal? The goal should be pleasing the one who set us out on the journey to start with. When, 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 when it's all said and done, I ask myself this question. Will I hear well done or what have you done? Come on, somebody. We want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. There's one person we got to please, and that is the one that called us, friend. That is the one we get our approval, our accolades, and everything else from him. So the younger son goes out and blows it. For most of the church, his life is over. And so he comes back and he says, I will be like one of my father's hired servants. See, when you're a king's kid, you could never be a hireling. No matter what kind of condition you find yourself in. The other brother gets ticked off because God killed the fatted calf. The fatted calf was the real grain calf. That was the father showing what Jesus' life was going to do. Come on, somebody. For us... The older brother runs out. What is, what is his deal? He says, Father, I've worked for you this whole time. He was a labor-minded believer trying to earn what was already freely given to him. How many of us are trying to earn what's already freely given to us? Friend, if you could earn it through sweat, it would not be grace. It is simply that, the gift of God that is upon our lives. So in building, what we, in modeling fathers, when it comes to fathers in the church... We should see a father that pursues us and not a child that pursues the father. Come on now. Where we built things, well, if I'm your dad, then chase me. That is a poor representation and I cannot find that in the life of Jesus. Fathers pursue relationships with sons. Listen to this. Fathers 
I mean, brothers compete, but fathers will complete. The reason why there's a competition spirit that is released in the church, say it ain't so. Come on, somebody. Have you ever tried to unify? We're a small city. I want you to put a petition out in the morning. I challenge you in this community and say that we're going to have, listen, I, I tried to feed the brother in here a prime rib dinner, and I couldn't get but six preachers to come eat a prime rib dinner. Why can't we unify? Because we are a system full of brothers and not fathers. Brothers compete. I have three boys. We play wiffle ball tournaments every afternoon if it's daylight before before we go in or whatever. And I'll watch all three of them compete. Who can hit the most home runs with a wiffle ball? It will usually end in one crying mad going inside because he got beat. That is an issue of brothers. Come on now. I'm just trying to help us here. Listen, I got to close with this. I can't even get most of it. But what we have got to eradicate in the church is the Cain and Abel spirit. Brother against brother and sister against sister. Say it ain't so. It's alive and well in the church. We have got to learn how to rejoice with them that rejoice. Don't get offended when Dennis gets his socks blessed off. Come on, somebody. If he... This is the way I see it. Dennis is in my tribe. He's in my clan. He's in my family. And if he just got blessed, that means God's getting real close. Come on, somebody. And if God is no respecter of person, if he did it for Dennis, it's just a matter of time. If I can rejoice with him, God's going to bring it in my lane in my house. Come on, somebody. The reason why we get upset is because of the poverty mentality and the orphan spirit that believes that there's not enough in Father's house. Can I tell you this? If God blesses Dennis and God blessed Staten and God blessed Corey and he blessed Jamie, he did not do away with the resources. Our Father's got plenty of resources and plenty to go around. He's a good dad. Two brothers. I remember when Grant was probably about nine years old. We was at this ball tournament. John Bentley's how many? Almost four years younger. Almost five. No, four years younger. So let's say he's five, he was five years old, almost six. Grant, nine, almost ten. Grant's at the plate. He takes his pitch right down the middle. Well, the coach had gave him a take pitch sign. John Bentley turned around and he said, what is he doing? Just got a pitch he can drive and he watched it. Six. Five. Here's the deal. The competition deal is always an issue of brothers. It's never an issue with fathers. Let me show you the focus of fathers. Right? Fathers got a high school batting average. 390, which is respected. Son comes along, and he's got a high school career batting average of 500. That father's not going, he's not getting in the truck and hearing this on the way home. I cannot believe you broke your old man's record. I mean, this just ticked me off. Do you know, I cannot believe you would do this to me. The father's up in the stands saying, my God, whose kid is that? What, who, what name's on the back of him? Who's that kid? This is where we've got to get to in the church. Because I'm telling you, what's going to happen is, listen, we don't mind it when they're at the far rear of the bus, but when they start getting near the front seat, that's when we get nervous. But if it's done right, 
Do you know the ones that we're raising up in here is going to outrun us? Do you know that Jesse's going to outrun Steve? Toby's going to outrun Jess? Grant, John Bentley, and Asher's going to outrun me? Stanton's going to outrun me? Come on, is this not the heart of every father? Come on, somebody. And I believe that God wants to raise, he wants to, he's trying to raise up a movement. He's trying to raise up something here in the South. And we have got to quit shooting. The problem is not heaven. The problem is not the intercessors. Come on, somebody. The problem is the heart of the church and the leadership. We gotta quit taking the word, which is used to build and to edify and quit destroying people. God, I'm trying to help us right here. You can, I feel the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you. Man, I'm telling you, I feel like Dusty Rhodes, you hear me? Come down with that elbow right here. Listen to me. The Bible says that these gifts, the fivefold, is used to equip and edify the body of Christ. It's time that preachers start edifying. And I'm talking to this one right here. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. We got to quit talking about one another. We got to use the word to build up, to equip, and to edify, and quit tearing each other down. Paul said it like this. Don't you know that you can consume one another? We're a bunch of cannibals right now. But we are shifting from that where we eat one another's lunch to bless one another. All right, I'm almost done. So you can't build like this. Son, I want you to build in a whole different arena. I want you to build something different. Now think about this. Steve has been a contractor for many years. He has to be, he has to keep being updated on the building codes because building codes shift from the way we build in the 70s. God, I'm almost done right here. You, can you give me 10 minutes on borrowed time? My elders write this down. I'm on overtime, okay? So listen, I've got to get you paid. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I'm cutting up. Listen to me. People say, well, I'm going to trace that rabbit. There was one just jumped out, though. I want to get him. You see that? I mean, I want to get him. Hold on here. The building codes have to update. Let me tell you why we're still building. We're still building with stuff from the 70s, from the shepherding movement. And in the shepherding movement, this was the deal. We got to know who you up under. We got to know who you up under. We got to know who you up under. Who you up under. Let me tell you something. If you attend Cornerstone, you are not up under nobody. Did you hear what I said? You're not under nobody. When Jesus had the opportunity to teach, he talked about the Pharisees and he said, let it not be so amongst you. No, you don't lord it over anybody. The role of leadership in this house is not to lord over you, but to empower you. Come on, somebody. I thought I'd get about three people to say amen to that. I said our role is not to, our role is not the Lord over anybody but to empower you. Let me tell you what God's house is. God's house is music and dancing, joyfulness. Come on, somebody. That's what was happening in Luke 15. And there's freedom in God's house. I said freedom in God's house. There's not control in God's house. There's freedom in God's house. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is the fruit of the Spirit of God being evident in that place that there is liberty. So we, so we, got, we got, I'll make sure you're up under me. I got, I got to make sure you're up under me. You get up under me. You get up under me. You get up under me. And then directly what we've got is a pyramid. Listen, it's a lonely place at the top of that pyramid. I'm telling you something, God is fixing to come like a wrecking ball. 
to destroy some pyramids. You with me? God wants his people built on the foundation of Jesus. Now let me say this. I've got to finish this. The goal of leadership, why did God put presbytery in the church? Why did God put this thing called pastors in Ephesians 4, prophets, apostles, some don't even believe in that, but just get in the Bible, okay? Come on, somebody. And, and, and evangelists and teachers, why did he put them in the church? He put the fivefold in the church to equip you. What God wants you to be able to do is just what that man right there, Jess, got up and did. He wants you to be able to do that at Walmart. If the gospel don't work outside of these walls of this church, there's no gospel at all. It's got to be transferred from here. And what we're awakening to in the South is we're realizing we're not going to church, but we are the church. Come on, somebody. We're just going to congregate and to assemble. And I'm trying to tell you this morning prophetically, as we, as we gather in the South and we, and, we, and we quit being these rubbish stones that Peter said, know you not that you are a, a royal priesthood, living stones being built together to form this house of God. When Paul said, when the writer of Hebrews said this, it said to forsake not to assemble yourselves in the latter day. That doesn't mean to people, if people look at that, this house, this house was preached to me. Well, you know, people's quit going to church. We got this on Wednesday night now. You know, folks just can't come to church on Wednesday night. They, they, people just losing heart. Ain't in love with God like they used to be. No, in the used to be, this is how it was. The man was working. The wife was at home cleaning, cleaning the kids, cooking biscuits. Come on, somebody. And that don't exist no more. I got three children. I know what it's like. We fly in, hit the bed, get up the next morning. I remember when Catherine first started driving a Suburban. I said, no, you can't drive that like you did the Acadia. Man, she leaves the house like Dale Earnhardt, rounding the thing, the oak tree down there, hits the sideways. This is what it's like at our house in the morning. She's screaming at Grant, we got three minutes, we got three minutes, three minutes. The car, I'm, I mean, I pray when she's back in that bus side the carport, you know what I'm saying? Don't let her hit no boat or toy of mine, you know what I'm saying? Just get it out, you know what I'm saying? She, man, she parallel parked that thing like nobody's business, like it's a Volkswagen. This is how we live. This is why folk can't come on Wednesday night. But we don't take and beat them over the head because they're trying to raise their kids. I believe that the family's the first place ministry begins. If you can't be the priest of your house, come on somebody, all this ain't real to start with. All right, I'm, I'm done right here. I got two minutes left. I was only getting 10 minutes on bar time. Okay. This man right here has got to get to Alabama. We're going to let him get there. He said, New York yesterday. What a schedule. He was in New York yesterday. When did you leave New York? Sometime yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Got in ADL at 3 this morning to be here. All right. What do you see happening? This is what I see. I see the church coming back to its original foundation, which is family. As we approach the church's family, come on somebody. See, if you approach the church as a business, you're going to be looking to see what you can get from your, for your transaction. But if, you, but, if you, but if you approach the church's family, which it's destined to be, you, you, don't, you, don't, you do not see what you can take from the church, but what you can give from the church. I'm not talking about finances, friend. I could give a rip less about that. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about where Paul said, where we become one body, where each joint and ligament supplies. So we got to come from this rubbish stones being thrown together to being formed together. 
This is what the fivefold does. That word equip means these are chiropractors. These chiropractors set the bones and cause bone to come to bone. Come on, somebody. And as bone comes to bone, you find your place inside that body, inside that family. Come on now. It doesn't mean we're all connected. My, my, it doesn't mean that we all going to just be buddy-buddy. Be Come on, but we got a connection point. My fingers are not connected to my toes. They're connected to my hand. And my hand's connected to the arm. Come on, somebody. And the arm's connected to this big old torso right here. Come on. And that's connected to a leg. But we all, But this whole body is all connected. You believe it? When, the, when I hit my finger with a hammer, that ain't just a hand that cries out. Huh? This is what Paul said. We, when one suffers, we all suffer. We approach this thing as family. And these rubbish stones find themselves to assemble. When Paul's, when the writer, I keep saying Paul, but we won't say it so we'd be theologically correct. When the writer of Hebrews says that forsake not to assemble yourselves, he's not saying y'all better be going to church. He said you better find an assembly where you can become assembled. When you get assembled, this is how growth and momentum come in your life. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to finish. This is the way to build. Where we're looking for the pastor to disciple us, the way you get discipled is through your connection. Come on, somebody. You find your joint. That, that's going to go real good on the podcast. We got people finding joints. That's why we got to keep preaching. Come on. Huh? <laughs> Come on right here. Listen. How do, you, how do you change your life? You find your connection. And as you get assembled, you see who in your assembly, who's that lead dog in that pack? Come on. Who's running in that pack? Who's posted on their Facebook, not about eating somewhere, but who's getting something from the Father? Come on, somebody. This is how I begin to examine. My God, look at him. Now, Dennis is doing something. He done posted three things that he feel like God's saying. I'm gonna begin to seek Dennis out and say, Dennis, how about eat lunch with me one time a week? This is how discipleship happens. Where we build it in the past, we keep pointing to the front. How can I disciple 200 people? But I tell you what, you can get hooked up with Dusty, Cleave, Clay, and we start getting connected. Then we start getting discipled. My last two minutes. My last two minutes right here. There's something in NASCAR. Listen, all NASCARs, if NASCAR to race that, it's called stock car racing, but there's nothing stock about the car. But the, the goal of the matter is, is they're supposed to be equal. Is that right? They're supposed to be equal so that we can find out who the best driver is. They're supposed to be equal. And now here's the deal. If you want, they, there's something called the draft, Right? And the draft is, is when you can get behind, behind a faster car and ride the bumper of that faster car. And if you ride that bumper, what creates is a momentum in your car that when you come back out around that car, it will actually slingshot you. This is the momentum that I believe God is desiring to release in the body of Christ. You've got to find your connection point. You've got to find somebody you can draft. This is what changed my life, friend. I had, I had a guy call me the other day and he said, he said, what Bible college did you go to? I've never been to a Bible college a day of my life. Just because you graduate from Bible college doesn't mean you called to preach the gospel. Hello. 
And I, I believe in education, but I used to say I've never been to cemetery. I believe in being educated. Come on, somebody. But I'm telling you the way that you can, way that you can ex, ex, expand your growth is you begin to draft somebody. You with me? Stand up with me right here. We're going to have to just bring it to a close right there. Stretch your hands right here. I want to bless you before we leave out of this place. Remember, if this is your house, if you were visiting today, thank God we, 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 we're glad you're here. If you, if you have not seen an usher, Gavin, wave your hand. If you'll go back to the back, back here at the connect table, if this is your first time, we have a gift we want to give you. And uh, it's, it's well worth your time to go back. There's a stainless steel travel coffee mug. So that's well worth your time. So if you want, want one of those, you'll go back there and see Gavin. He'll hook you up with that. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.